Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. If you don't know a lot about data centers, listen up because this podcast is going to tell you everything you need to know about the growing industry and the career opportunities within it. The biggest technology companies in the world, including Amazon, Google, IBM, and Microsoft, have made technology that's inherent to our day-to-day schedules, but many of us don't think about the facilities that house the operations, equipment, and data. Jay Caranda, a recruiting manager at Orion, joins me today to discuss the basics of the data center industry and why it's a good fit for veterans. We'll discuss the types of roles that are a good fit for veterans, the companies we work with, pay compared to other industries, and the growth that's expected for the industry over the next several years. If you have any questions about this interview or available careers with the data centers, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hi, Jay. Welcome to the show. Hey, Megan. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm really happy to have you here because I've always known you to be just a wealth of knowledge for all things related to recruiting and candidate preparation and industry insight, really. So that's going to be useful for our topic today, which is careers for veterans in the data center industry. And I'll be honest, this topic is something that is pretty out of my wheelhouse. So I'm going to let you educate me over the course of this discussion, and then hopefully our listeners will learn more about the industry as well. But before we get started with that discussion, can you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, thanks, Amy. So my name is Ed Jay Cran. I'm a recruiting manager here with Orion. I'm, I'm one of senior partners. Um, prior Navy, I was an electronics tech in the Navy for about 12 years. I was an instructor. I was actually a candidate of Orion when I transitioned out the service many years ago at this point. Uh, worked for a company called Siemens in their building technology division as a automation software trainer. And then I've been with Orion now for 19 years, and actually February will be my 20th year as a recruiter doing this. So pretty good background, obviously, over the years working with in the data center industry and other fields. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, you're kind of an expert of everything related to candidate prep and recruiting. So I'm sure that anyone who's listening that's kind of in your region probably has talked to you before. So I really appreciate you joining me. But I want to start with some of the basics. What is the data center and who uses them? Sure. I mean, I think I'll give a start off with kind of a quick overview for everybody um, and for yourself as far as the industry goes, because it's kind of unique. So if you think about it, um, 20 years ago, and it may not seem, may seem like a long for a lot of people, but, you know, in a short 20 years ago, we were using modems to connect from our home computer to the, through the Internet, which was just coming around in, you know, 20 years ago to see a web page. Um, that, in a sense, was a very basic function of that data had to be transferred through servers somewhere, which were through data centers. Uh, to where we are now and the technology changes that have occurred and the data center industry has blown up massively over these last number, especially over the last two years, so where now you can order something on Amazon right now from my phone, that signal gets sent through a cell signal, through a cell tower, through a network, through data centers that are transmitting through servers, and be able to have Amazon deliver a product to your car in two hours. Um, or you can order food through DoorDash, or, or you can get streaming music through Spotify. All of that stuff that's occurring through our mobile devices and our tablets is running signals and data through data centers, which are big server farms, um, to be able to process and handle everything that we're doing these days. We've, cre- we've actually created more data in the last two years than we have actually in all of history. 
um, is, is where we're going. And that's only going to exponentially change now as well as you look at getting into self-driving cars and, and streaming music and streaming videos and that kind of stuff. So that's why you see a huge growth or demand now across the whole data center industry in itself. So, mm -hmm. And it's um, funny because that, I think that's, I was sorry, Jay, I was going to say, I think those are really right. good explanations. It's like, it's something we use every day and we don't even think about. Exactly. And so, um, you know, the, the answer, you know, your, kind of your initial question. So data center is not a really a single thing. It's actually a conglomeration of a lot of different uh, elements or, or even equipment itself. So a data center is nothing more than a big server farm, a big warehouse in most cases um, with, um, rows and rows and rows of servers as well as other storage devices, switches, routers, firewalls, cabling, racks, IT equipment is all housed in one location. But also on top of that is all the infrastructure and that's kind of where we see a lot of uh, positions going is within the infrastructure itself. Within a data center you have a huge amount of power distribution and other power subsystems. Uh, electrical switching equipment, uh, unundervable power supplies, UPSs, backup generators, air conditioning systems, data centers, um, network kind of connectivity equipment, those things. So it's a it's a big I don't know warehouse is the best way to put it in most cases, full of servers and a lot of uh, equipment that keeps that that equipment up and running. And there's actually over 545,000 data centers around the world right now, and that number is growing. And I'm sure that we'll get into some of the companies because I think this is something where we've all kind of heard of these data center, center companies, but we might not know exactly what they are. So we've, we recognize the name and the brands and we're seeing their logos on buildings and things like that, but we're not even sure what it really is. So I know we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. But, um, you know, this is an industry that I know you're very involved with as a recruiter and you're recruiting candidates for this industry. Like you said, it is growing. Um, Based on your interactions with candidates, do you feel that there are any misconceptions regarding the industry or maybe there's just a lot of people like me out there that aren't even really aware of the industry overall and all of the opportunities available? And I think, I don't know, if the biggest thing is that as I talk with candidates and we talk about the different positions that we see within um, a, a data center company, um, most military or veterans I work with don't understand how their background fits into them. They would never think that they think, well, I'm not an IT person. I don't work on network equipment. But in reality, if they're a electronics tech or electrician or mechanic and they worked on uh, UPSs or they worked on air conditioning systems on board, say, a Navy ship, that actually is all a huge part of what we see, what they call critical facilities in, in within the data centers themselves. So it's the knowledge of knowing that their background actually fits into it and that was something in a career that they would never consider themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I saw when I was looking at this topic and doing a little bit of research just to prepare myself before this call, one of the things that I saw, and I could be completely wrong here, so maybe I'd like to get your take on it and you'd correct me, but one of the misconceptions that I saw is that people were thinking that data centers are becoming obsolete due to the cloud. Although in all my other research, all I've been seeing is like the, you know, the growth trends and the projections over the next five years. So it sounds like that is definitely not the case. No, it, I don't think it's really the case itself. So data centers are kind of set up in a couple of different ways. So you have enterprise data centers that are built and owned and operated by companies and for just their end users and themselves. So um, 
for example, maybe a Google or something like that that builds and runs their own data centers. Uh, Facebook does that, for example, those kind of things as well. And then you have other what they call managed service data centers that are managed by a third-party company on the behalf of the, of the company. So you'll have a company that will run a whole data center for, let's call it Microsoft. Microsoft doesn't, may not want to be in the business of running their own data center, so they will hire a third-party company to do that in itself. And then you have uh, data center companies, uh, what they call co-location data centers, which will uh, have servers or racks and the you, you like you and I if we want to start a business and, and we want to start our new our, our own app for example well we want to house that somewhere we would put it at a colo facility that everyone in the world can access through that colo facility so they sell space within their data center to whoever needs space to use their servers and then as you said with the cloud though is where you're getting in now is um, you're starting to see um, the big cloud companies are Amazon and their web services, uh, Microsoft, what they call Azure, Azure platforms, and then IBM's cloud stuff. So it's a different model where it's just a host of different services within a, a big unit itself. So Amazon will, um, how, will take everyone's uh, their own network stuff, and then you basically outsource it to them and let them handle it all for you. Um, Vice, you renting space on a server somewhere. And that's kind of how the cloud structure is set up. Mm -hmm. You know, I do have a question for you that's, I guess, a little bit unrelated to this. But, um, you know, when we're talking about misconceptions, I'm wondering if, do you find that the workforce typically, or at least people that you are placing into roles like this, are they are they generally younger or is it kind of all ages? And the only reason I ask is because when you were giving your overview at the beginning just about, you know, how we use data and, it's as simple as ordering something off of Amazon. I mean, I think Amazon discontinued this program, but my husband and I used to even have the little buttons that you could put throughout your house where if you're running out of paper towels, you push the button, it's connected to Wi-Fi, and it orders it. And I remember, you know, my dad coming over and saying that we had that, and he was just completely blown away by it. And so it makes me wonder if if maybe that's just a stereotype that, you know, the older generation doesn't necessarily understand it, or maybe it's not. Maybe it is all ages. What do you typically see as a recruiter? I think it's all ages because at the heart of a data center, it's not about what it's uh, what it's processing, the signal that it's processing for the customer. It's about the uh, um, the maintaining of the equipment itself. It's the running of the network or it's the running of the facility, the utility plant systems that that keep the power on and to keep the servers cool is where you see. So it's like working or running a regular building or facility. It just happens to house a whole bunch of servers that get hot and that need to be cooled or have a huge power demand. So what it's doing or what it's processing doesn't really have any effect on um, the, the workforce, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think really my only thought behind that is maybe that it would be like intimidating to somebody who is a little bit older because they it might seem just like this ambiguous thing. But as you're saying, it's like the actual day-to-day -day duties of the job and what you're going to be doing is not like something that's like this out there concept. It's really things that you may have already done in the military or things that you can easily be trained to do. Right, exactly. Like you would never know, like you can work in a data center um, and they could house the whole movie collection or for, um, let's say they house everything for Netflix. Netflix doesn't want to run their own server, so they will outsource that to somebody else like Amazon Web Services or a, a colo facility. And so in those servers could be the whole movie collection for Netflix. 
you would never know that. You would never see it. It's not like there's a sign on there that says Netflix. It's just, mm -hmm. just happened to be housed there. I think it's really interesting. I mean, to have a career like that, it's almost like you almost feel like you are responsible for, for you know, very important things. So I feel like these careers would be really exciting. Yeah, and uh, Kenya's definitely finding it exciting. There's um, a lot of opportunity within the industry, a lot of different types of roles. And as you say, as you know, with 545,000 data centers around the world and growing, um, the career is obviously a good one to get into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to talk more about the opportunity in the industry. Before we get to that, you kind of briefly touched on this just in terms of, um, you know, when you said that maybe a lot of veterans don't see how their skills from the military directly relate to this. Do you think that that's something that's pretty easily overcome just by having a conversation with them? And then also on the flip side, just with employers in this industry, do you think that they are um, usually quick to recognize the military skill set and why that would be a good fit for this industry? Yes, yeah, so we find that a lot of the companies already know the the military background and experience and how they fit in because if you're going to go and hire someone with a strong uh, technical background that's worked with electrical systems or, or HVAC or air conditioning systems or just pumps and valves and any of that kind of field, one of the key areas you go to is the military in itself. Um, what it, you know, it's kind of changed. A lot of changed over the years, just with the way that the workforce has developed across the country. That used to have a lot of technical colleges that used to train people that way, but now those a lot of those technical colleges have gone away, and the military is the one that is training people in electronic, electrical, mechanical systems. So the data center companies know if you want a strong electrical background, for example, to work on your UPSs or your switchgear, one of the first places you're going to go is the military to look for it itself. I think that's a great point and something that's definitely worth noting. I, I think, Jay, that we may have done this semiconductor podcast. We've done several of these industry podcasts, and I think you either did Building Controls with Me or Semiconductor, but um, I remember I think it was for both of those podcasts regardless that they stand out in my mind as being industries that um, – kind of the same thing, like you're saying, they, that the hiring managers and people in this industry, they recognize that the military is a great source of talent for these types of roles. And that's not always the case. Like with some other industries, you know, maybe the roles are not as transferable. Your skills might not be exactly what you need. So you might have to start out lower in order to kind of work your way up and break your way into the industry. So I think it's worth noting that this is one of those industries that really does respect your military background and it's very easy to translate your skills into a role in data center. Absolutely, it's a, it's a great fit for that, for the military background, that's why. Yeah, so like I said, we wanna discuss the opportunity a little bit more. We've mentioned several times about the growth, but what are some of the typical positions that we hire people into within this industry and just some of the things that you've seen over the years? Okay, sure. So, you know, we look at it across uh, a data center. What we see a lot is obviously on the technical field tends to be more what they call critical facilities. And that is your maintenance teams um, that keep the, the facility up and running. It keeps the, the power on, it keeps the air conditioning on, it keeps the cooling going, those kind of things as well. So a lot of positions that we see, um, you'll have what they call critical facility engineer is one of them. And that's someone that's going to do uh, insulation, maintenance, repair, kind of on all your mechanical systems for the whole building environment. So that's your utility plants, 
That's your steam generators, your air compressors, your boilers, your chillers, your refrigeration systems, your piping systems are all encompassed under that mechanical umbrella, if you will, as a critical facilities engineer. So like I said, it takes a tremendous amount of air conditioning and cooling to um, keep these servers cool and so they can run efficiently as well. On the flip side, and then also on top of that, then you have your electrical disciplines, your uh, electrical fields, which are your, I call it a Navy electrician or a gas turbine electrician, for example, will work on the unearthable power supply or switchgear or transformers or circuit breakers, um, very similar to what they've done in the service, but on that electrical piece. Or then you, and then you have kind of some core disciplines within your electronics field. You'll have someone that comes out of the background of the military that work with electronics that can go and work on building automation systems, key card access, security systems, fire life safety systems. All those are electronic systems that, once again, are keeping that building environment up and running. That's typically where we see, you know, we can look at all three of those disciplines or career fields and find a, a career in the data center industry for them because it's that transferable to what they do. If anyone's listening to this and maybe they don't have that background, say they're, um, you know, like an officer with a non-technical background, do you ever see roles that are more on like the operations, like leadership side, or do you think that they're usually technical in nature? No, we actually see quite a bit of uh, roles within from the officer or leadership community. So um, out of each of those, call it disciplines, if you will, so um, on the mechanical side, you'll, for example, have like a chief engineer that's responsible for all the mechanical systems or a lead or mechanical that oversees all of that and responsible for those maintenance teams, uh, working with contractors, vendors, for example, and that person will report to the chief engineer for the whole facility itself, the whole campus in some cases. And then you'll have a, a chief engineer that's on your electrical, and then you may have a chief engineer that falls under your automation or your building side, your, they call controls. And those three people, those engineers, and the engineer may be not someone with an engineering degree, but maybe someone with a technical background, as a mechanical background, like a, call it a Navy surface warfare officer that's worked on a plant on board of a Navy ship. Or it could be someone with a strong leadership, just a strong leadership background that can lead teams of people making sure maintenance is done. And then there's the senior leadership role, which is that chief engineer role that, that is oversees the whole data center um, from a, let's call it a maintenance perspective, and they deal with contractors and vendors and budget and profit and loss, those kind of things. So once again, it's a good transitional fit as well from the leadership side. Yeah, it sounds like there's a pretty decent variety and um, kind of the need for lots of different types of skill sets. What about the pay compared to other industries? Do you, I mean, do you see much of like a, you know, making higher or lower salary? Do you think it's typically in line with you know, what a facilities engineer, what someone with an engineering background might see in a different type of industry? Um, the pay actually tends to be some of the strongest across a lot of, of, of most industries in itself. It's a, it's, since it's a, such a highly technical field and they need a certain amount of experience associated with it as well, like a strong a refrigeration background or electrical background, that it's actually one of the, I think in some cases, one of the highest paying industries that's out there because of the uh, critical nature, and that's what I call it a critical facilities engineer, is the critical nature that, that, that those systems cannot drop offline because the minute that those server, that server goes down because it got hot, Netflix is calling and Netflix customers are very upset that they can't stream their new TV show today. 
So <laughs> that that equipment and in and it has to stay online. And 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 we're talking and within milliseconds that those things cannot have to switch over and go to another network, for example, or their whole network system goes down or their whole business platform goes down. So in order to do that, you need to hire talent that can, that understands that and can keep that equipment online. So they typically pay extremely well compared to a lot of other industries because of the critical nature associated with the equipment that, that they're housing and maintaining. So you go from critical missions in the military, protecting your country to protecting people's Netflix accounts and making sure that they're <laughs> able to watch the movies and TV shows that they want to binge watch over the weekends. Absolutely. You know how upset someone's going to be if they can't log into Netflix right now. You know, I, I have to say I'm a little bit guilty of that, so I can't <laughs> I can't say anything about those people. <laughs> well, very good. I think that's a I think that's a good overview of the pay, and of course, that's something that everyone always wants to know. I'm sure you know that as a recruiter, that's always the first question you get asked is about the pay. Um, what about the growth? I know we've mentioned that several times, but just in terms of the projected growth, I googled it, and it's I saw a variety of different things, but all that were trending upwards. So over the next few years, what the projections were, um, different percentages, but overall, the overall theme was clearly that the industry is growing. Do you know a lot about that, or do you have anything specific that you want to call out here? Yeah, like I said, based on where we are today and how much data we've created in the last two years and what's changing with how much we're streaming devices and what's in those self-driving cars and all the – that is a tremendous amount of data that has to be transferred somehow and somewhere. So you're seeing uh, Microsoft, uh, Amazon Web Services build data centers at a tremendous pace all across the country to kind of keep up with that demand. Apple – and you look at what Apple is doing and trying to go to more to cloud services and those kind of things as well. So you almost cannot build enough data centers fast enough. And you know we work with a number of different companies. You know, so we've worked with Google and their you know and their data centers they have across the country for critical facilities. Uh, we do work right now with like Microsoft for their uh, Azure stuff as well. Um, Facebook has been building data centers, and, and you'll see data centers pop up. Um, you know, typically you'll see a data center in a lot of times you'll see them in, in like the Southwest nowadays because or where power is extremely cheap. That's kind of the two areas we see a lot of uh, data centers pop up. So the Southwest has been growing tremendously. Phoenix, Las Vegas, it's it's warm during the day, but it's cool at night, so it's more efficient to run a data center that way. And then power is cheap in those locations, and they call, and they're in what they call a disaster avoidance zone which means there's less likely for an earthquake, a tornado, hurricane, or anything to hit Vegas um, or Salt Lake City or Phoenix or someplace like that. But you'll see a miles and miles and miles of data centers in places like central Washington along the Columbia River Gorge where once again they have kind of cool, dry air, but they have really cheap power because of the hydro system up there. Um, so, you know, we work with a company called Digital Realty. We do a lot of placements with them out of uh, Ashburn, Virginia. They currently have 156 data centers now, and that number is growing every day as well, because once again, you can't almost build enough data centers. Yeah, and I, I you read my mind because I was going to ask you about the location. So would you say generally, I mean, you mentioned lots of different regions. Would you say that there are opportunities nationwide? There are. I mean, uh, we see a, a lot of data centers um, in the kind of the Ashburn, Virginia area, right outside of D.C. 
Uh, Amazon has been building a lot of data centers in Ohio and also Iowa, same with Google. Google has data centers in Oregon, South Carolina, Oklahoma, Iowa. <laughs> um, and then, so, so sometimes like, you know, there's a number of companies that um, want to be near renewable. So they want to be near where there's wind and solar generation as well. And they're committed to that as far as their, their main power source. So therefore they'll put a data center where they can get a lot of wind generation, power generation, places like Iowa and Kansas and those kind of places where you'll see data centers now popping up as well. Um, but really, there are data centers on, in every city. Like, I'm in San Diego, and within five miles of my office, I know 10 different data centers, big ones, that are nearby us. So they're kind of everywhere. They're, your bigger name ones tend to be in uh, the southwest, though, because of that power and the, the efficiency to cool them and stuff as well. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting what you brought up about natural disasters. I would have never thought about that, but of course, that would be a big consideration for some of these companies because of, like you said, the critical information that they're housing. Yeah, and the weather pays a big factor. And you know, you get a snowstorm in the winter time or an ice storm in the winter time, and they shut down power or whatever could happen. You, you, you know, you got to be able to plan for that. So. The, the less likely that is to happen, the more secure your data is going to be. So that's why you see Phoenix, Vegas, Tucson, those places with uh, a tremendous amount of data centers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Jay, I think you've done a great job providing the information about this industry. Hopefully, you know, for anyone listening, it's educated them. You've definitely educated me. But do you have any advice that you want to give to veterans who are listening that are interested in finding a job in this industry? Um, like I said, the big thing is, is as you go on and look, I mean, a lot of people don't, there's a number of companies out there, like the, there's a number of big data center companies that you would never know to look at and apply for just because maybe you've never heard of the name before. Like, um, you know, you see things like CenturyLink, for example, and they're a big data center company. Um, the only reason a lot of people know of CenturyLink is because their name is on a stadium up in Seattle, uh, for the Seahawks. Um, but there's other ones like a company like maybe like a core site that you've just never heard of before as well. So as you start looking or you want to get into things, it's, it's about critical facilities tends to be the, the magic or the keyword is will to get into the industry or to look for things along the way. Um, that's the, uh, probably the first start or, of course, a recruiter that, that understands the industry itself, that understands what's out there and then how their particular background may fit into the actual industry itself just because of the unknown nature of them not knowing who to look for and where to look for them at, I guess. Of course, and you clearly are very knowledgeable on this, so I, I'm sure that you're okay with anybody who's listening to this that finds themselves extremely passionate about wanting to work in this industry can, of course, always reach out to you as well and um, you know, look on Orion's website and just see what we have that's available. Absolutely. All right. Well, sounds good. Jay, thank you so much. All right. No problem. Thanks, Megan. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond. So make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.